Welcome to Tsni DRN. Today's episode comes with a content warning as we're going to talk about, among other things, suicide. If you are having any thoughts of harming yourself, please call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and they can help you. If you feel you are at immediate risk of harming yourself or others or know someone who is, please call 911 right now to get help. I'm your host, Denise DRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's a name. It's a deep, it's an ED, RN, it's an ED, stands for emergency, it's a deep, stands for department, it's an ED, not erectile dysfunction, RN, that's a nurse. Episode 12, an EDRN goes to therapy. Welcome to my podcast. It's an EDRN. I'm your host, an EDRN. And today we are going to talk about how being a nurse can really fuck up your shit. Specifically, being a nurse in the hospital setting and how that places you at increased risk for mental health struggles and whether or not therapy works. Spoiler alert, it does. Kind of. Uh, if you're new to the show, <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. I have been a nurse for almost 11 years now. I spent the first five, first half of that, med surge ICU. And then kind of the second almost half, I was a nurse manager. Um, And that was that. For the last six months, I have been back to bedside in an emergency department. And it is giving me life, I've got to say. I'm starting to feel more comfortable in my job. I'm feeling like maybe I know what I'm doing. And it's just a really good fit for me and my personality. And I'm kind of just really enjoying it, Uh, which has not always been the case. Now, acknowledging that this is like an awesome job, I also have to acknowledge that being a nurse specifically a nurse in the hospital setting, actually places us in kind of some dangerous situations. And because of that, because of what we see, because of what we experience, we are at greater risk for a lot of these mental health struggles that maybe lay people as a whole don't experience at quite the rate that we do. Um, to address this historically, I have gone to therapy. I actually, the title of this episode is a little bit of a misnomer because since moving here and taking this job, I have not found a new therapist in the area. Um, and I intend to do so. And maybe this episode, just recording it, uh, will be the catalyst (laughs) to me actually getting my ass to figure out who's covered and who I can see. Um, Because therapy has been a very positive influence in my life. And therapy as a whole, I think, is is this very general umbrella term. There are a lot of little different subsets to therapy, and they can be very specific. The kind of therapy that I have done um, is one-on-one individual 
therapy with a licensed professional. And then also after a year or two of that, I transitioned to group therapy. I went to therapy because in my adulthood, my parents decided to get divorced, which was at that time quite a shock to me. I didn't quite know what was going on. I was newly married and I didn't want to suddenly get divorced, I guess. So I kind of scared me into going to therapy to address some of the feelings I was having about that and also kind of what was going on in my job because it was around the time that I had transitioned to the ICU and I had been working on a cancer floor but the deaths that I was seeing in an ICU setting were were quite different and I hadn't really addressed how that was affecting me personally so I found myself a therapist and then group therapy turned out to be a good fit for me because I very generally have difficulty making personal connections with people because if I keep people at a distance, it is safer for me. If I can keep a wall up between me and another person and not let them get too close, they can't hurt me. And I think a lot of people do that. And it's very helpful to kind of compartmentalize your feelings and yourself in that way when you work in the hospital setting in a high-stress environment of any kind, really. It's just not very helpful to do that in a relationship, whether that's a friendship or a romantic relationship or relationships. You know, you want people in your life to be able to access a lot of you, and you want to be open and vulnerable, and I have a hard time doing that, so therapy was a good fit. So I have been in therapy for eight years. Again, I need to find a therapist now. And even in all of that time, I did not realize how much more prone I am because I am a nurse working in the hospital to mental health struggles up to and including suicide. And we'll get into some of the numbers in a moment, but I just want to say... If you're thinking of getting into therapy or you've just gotten into therapy and you're finding it's quite difficult for you, I just want to outline kind of the progression of my therapy from when I started to now in case that it's at all anything that you're going through. Because when I first started therapy, I thought, okay, great. I'm showing up once a week for an hour and a half. I'm doing the good work. I'm crying. That's usually a good sign. They love when you do that. Therapists fucking love when you cry. Uh, I think they like feed off of it like some kind of succubus. Uh, (laughs) But about six months in, I began to think to myself, okay, this isn't really like working. It's kind of a grind now. I come, I talk, I leave. I don't feel like anything's really changing. And I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, you just begin to think, I don't really need this. I will be fine without this. I was okay the way I was. Things are starting to get a little convoluted now and a little confusing. And for me, I was crying at random times, felt random to me, which was not something I was used to. I could control my crying very well. I was not an emotional person. Um, and I was not a sensitive person, and I prided myself in that because I 
had a level of thought distortion that allowed me to prize being closed off to people as a virtue and also allowed me to see people who are sensitive and more open with their feelings and emotions as weak. And that is false. That is a thought distortion, and that is, for a lot of us, the way that we were raised. And so going against that is very difficult. And that, again, has taken years and years and years. And I stuck with therapy, and I kept going. And there were days I didn't want to go, and there were days that I looked forward to going. And I've just gotten to the point where I've accepted that this will be part of my life. That I owe it to myself, I owe it to the people around me to do this. That being said, there is no way for me to go back to where I was before, where I could completely close myself off in moments at my choosing. I Here's where I was. I could have something happening in a moment and know that it was profoundly sad and affecting me in a very personal way. And I could think to myself, you will cry about that later. You can cry about that when you get home. And that's how I fucking did it. And that's super messed up for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so is crying randomly um, like a highlight of my life now? No, certainly not. But it, is it an indication that I'm a much healthier person mentally? Uh, yes, yes it is. Something that you may not be aware of because I was not aware of, and this is the part of the episode where we're going to talk about suicide. If this is something that you are ready to engage in now, great, stick around. If you're like, you know what, not right, nope, not for me, not right now, that's okay. Uh, we will see you next episode. But for those who are going to stick around, there are just some numbers and some revelations that I've had around this data that I'm now going to share with you. According to the National Nurses Association, nurses are at increased risk for suicide as compared with the general population. A peer-reviewed study published in 2021 and using data from the years 2013 to 2017, and this is data that came from the CDC and the National Violent Death Reporting System, which is not a thing I knew existed. They took data from those two agencies and found that suicides among healthcare workers and management positions had the highest odds of being work-related. Suicides between 2000 and 2016 increased 34% among ages 16 to 64, and that's according to the CDC. The ANA, the American Nurses Association, states that nurses have more known issues about their job or work environment prior to death by suicide than others, and the profession itself places us at risk because of factors such as exposure to repeated trauma. That is absolutely the case for most of us. Long consecutive shifts and repeated requests for overtime. That has only gotten worse lately. Workplace violence, incivility, and bullying. Isolation from friends and family, fear for the safety of ourselves and loved ones, and I think that especially comes into play during a global pandemic. Constant high workplace stress, 
fear of harming our patients. And that is not even the end of the list from the ANA. I just had to cut it off at some point because it's quite extensive. And all of this is available on the ANA website, the American Nurses Association website, if you want to look it up for yourself. All of this would be enough, except there's another element to this that I think is probably the most impactful. It's probably the biggest influence. And that is there is a fundamental and long-lasting stigma in the healthcare community that we just suck it up. That we just accept things as part of our job. And the problem with that is it leads to further isolation and a fear of talking about our struggles with others. It's common for nurses to know another nurse who has died by suicide, and yet there are no standards or procedures following this type of event. I have lost two coworkers, people that I have worked directly with more, that more nurses from other units in the hospital over a 10-year period when I worked there, but two that I personally worked with who died by suicide. And I think we all turned to each other for comfort. Maybe they, like, called the chaplain on call because this was like a religious affiliated hospital system uh hashtag never again but that was it there there was no specific standard operating procedure there is no best practice when it comes to dealing with a coworker who has taken their own life or when you yourself are having these kinds of thoughts that we recognize that we have evidence to show has a much higher prevalence in nurses. It's also important to note that all these statistics and studies that I've cited so far were conducted pre-pandemic. And even though it is an anecdotal statement to say that I imagine the pandemic has not lowered the risk for suicide in healthcare workers, I think we can all agree that's probably the case, considering what it has done to the public at large. So, sorry to bring us all down, but (laughs) it's just not something you're told. It's not something you're told when you say, I'm going to be a nurse. There is no class in nursing school about dealing with your thoughts of suicide as a direct result of your workplace. And it is a very difficult workplace. It's kind of amazing to me how hard our job is when I think about it sometimes. And sometimes It happens when I realize it when I'm telling someone else about my day. And I'll talk about something like it's normal. And that person will just look at me as I'm describing a a heinous event, like an episode of workplace violence or seeing parts of a human body that are not intended to be on the outside and like being the person who is supposed to fix that. 
or compensate for that so that person doesn't die. And then, of course, they die. And those are just normal things that we deal with. Nurses are the warm body on which patients, family members, coworkers just lay all their feelings and emotions and reactions during a trauma. They just put that all on you. If they're angry about a situation and you're standing there, it's coming at you. If there's someone who culturally is ignored and placed in a situation of desperation on a regular basis and tired and hungry and unsheltered and they're mad about it, as they should be, that's coming to you. And the message is, it's part of your job. This is what you signed up for. This is what you should expect. And I just don't think it is. I'm not cool with that message. I'm not comfortable with that. We can recognize and validate someone experiencing a trauma and not endorse being the recipient of that trauma as well. And I think we also can recognize that the things that we see on a daily shift-by-shift basis are traumatic for us. As much as our professional training is intended to place a barrier, I don't think it does. I don't think it does, and the research doesn't think it does either. More to the point. So what resources are out there for you? Um, The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline as previously mentioned, 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. That is available to anyone at any time. You can just call. Safe Call Now is a crisis referral for public safety employees, emergency services personnel, and their families. Safe Call Now, 206 3020 There's the Disaster Distress Helpline which is 1-800-985-5990, or you can just text talk with us, all one word, talk with us, to 66746. This is a hotline that is staffed with crisis counselors for those in emotional distress over natural or human-caused disasters. So the pandemic, I think, qualifies. And we're still very much in a pandemic. So all of that's just upping the game for everything else. Um, resources to finding a therapist. I wish I could distill this into something that was more useful. Um, but there is no like one place to go. Psychology Today website has some resources. You can go to your health insurance website and look for resources. A lot of resources for therapists are very specific to location and community based, but You can ask your physician for a referral. Certainly if you are a nurse and you work for a hospital, you should be given some kind of resource. A lot of hospitals have like free therapy sessions for their nurses, five to eight free therapy sessions. You kind of have to be careful because sometimes these are manned by um, medical residents (laughs) that you may end up working with. And like, I'm just not interested in that. Uh, but I have been able to contact my insurance company, get a list of covered providers, and then you just you just find a therapist and you try them out. And if you don't like them, you try somebody else out. And it's 
it's it's work and it's a lot and I've been here six months and I still haven't done it but I saw my physician my gyne for a checkup the other day I asked her for a list of therapists that she can recommend she gave it to me and I'm going to work my way through the list and just see what I can find so whatever the resources you have utilize them and just know it's going to be a long journey. Ugh, I hate saying that. It's going to be an experience. And it's not going to be a linear progression. It's going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. And I am so thankful that I started that process and participated in that. As much as I am really tired of crying at random times when I would prefer not to. And now it's time for some tips and tricks. Let's just get into it. Tip number one. Find your person. There is likely someone in your life that will go to those dark places with you. It's just a matter of building that trust with them. Objectively, that's hard. And not everyone will rise to the occasion. But someone will. So find them. Tip number two. Now that you found your person, find another person because you can't lay every single thing on a single person. (laughs) It's a lot. We're a lot. We're nurses. We are a lot. So find another nurse person at work to talk about your work feelings with and then find a non-nurse person to talk about non-work things because your work is not your life and you do have other stresses. So diversify your resources. Tip number three, find a hobby. There's just too much time. As a nurse, it's always like full on or full off. You have these days in a row with nothing and then days in a row of intense trauma. So for the days in the row where there's nothing, sometimes I find myself just lying there in bed thinking, what's the point of even getting up today? You have to create that for yourself. You have to find something to put your energy into. Maybe that's a podcast. Maybe that is a hiking group, a writer's group. Maybe that's a virtual get-together. Maybe it's, you know, going to get a beer. Like, maybe it's a weekly happy hour. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but you probably have some idea. So find you a hobby. Do it with other people. Commit to putting yourself in front of others and just practice pulling yourself out of isolation. It helps. And finally, I have a trick. Try saying the quiet part out loud. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to a party. Um, One of my coworkers invited me and I was going to go. I was kind of like excited about it. And then I just became overwhelmed with a feeling of anxiety about the fact that there was going to be like 10 or more people inside of, of a home, like in an enclosed space. And I just couldn't really like get over that. Um, I'm still very, 
I'm still, I think, experiencing a level of pandemic anxiety about enclosed spaces with a larger amount of people that may or may not be rooted in the evidence at this time, considering how vaccinated I am, but it's just there. And so I didn't go and, and I told them, you know, I wasn't going to go. And, and when I was telling her why I didn't want to go later on, instead of just saying, oh, I was tired or whatever, I said, you know, I really did want to go, but being indoors with a group of people still makes me really anxious uh, because of the pandemic. And I think I would feel way less anxious if we were to all do something outdoors. And I, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I was just open and honest and most people are totally going to understand that. So just try being open and honest. Say it like it is. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. If please subscribe, leave a five-star review and tell your nurse friends to listen. If you are struggling with your mental health right now, you are not alone. You're in good company. I'm there. Find someone you can trust to talk to about it. And also there's no substitute for a licensed goddamn professional. So get one of those too. Thank you for listening and have a safe shift. It's a media run is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by tragically also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say on this podcast are not a stand in for professional medical advice and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.